Hello, and welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School Podcast, presented from the Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this week, we're going to be looking at the mystery of the gospel. This is going to take place from July 29th through August 4th, and this is going to be a very interesting and fun discussion because I think uh, my brother Robert here really enjoys talking about the mysteries of the gospel, and Paul has a lot of really good insights into this, and I think it goes very well with what everybody's been learning this past couple weeks, especially in this this discussion on Ephesians. I mean, it's a very impactful lesson, and I think everybody's going to have a really good time learning some new stuff from it. Um, But with that, Paul, or Robert, would you like to go ahead and open with prayer? Absolutely. Father, as always, we gratefully accept your invitation to come sit at your feet, and now as we open your word, Lord, we ask that you will impart the wisdom and knowledge, give us the discernment and wisdom to recognize the truths that are being presented, that we may consume them, make them part of ourselves, that not only that we will more closely reflect your character, but also that we will be able to have those answers in season and out of season as we've been directed in Scripture. When we're challenged on our faith and when people that are searching have questions, Lord, that we may point them to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So with that, I want to go ahead and read the beginning part of this week's study. And the memory text for this week is found in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurable more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's beautiful that it opens up with a prayer. Right. Yeah, you know, it, it's a very short prayer, but it's it's very impactful. Um, so it says here in Ephesians 3, Paul opens with a theme that he had already touched on earlier, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. And though they might not be much of a surprise to the church today, composed mostly of Gentiles, it was something that seemed radically new to many of his readers at that time. Paul then continues his inspired words as the apostle reflects on his passion to preach the gospel of Jesus to the Gentiles. We learn, too, of his current hardships in extending that ministry, hardships that include time in a Roman prison. And we also hear his commitment to the mystery at the heart of the gospel, that mystery that in the church Gentiles are on equal footing with their Jewish brothers and sisters. We experience his excitement for the church and its cosmic mission, We listen in as he prays, praising God for expressing his grace throughout the church. In short, we are inspired to join Paul in his passion for the gospel. Now, that has been one of the themes that has been popping up, is Paul's discussions and his his preaching to the Gentiles. Um, For those that don't know what a Gentile is, that's everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody that is not a a blood descendant of the Israel. Yeah. Nations like of Israel. The, the 12 tribes. You know. Right. Um, this is pretty much everybody else. This is, this could be, you know, uh, Air, Arabic people. This could be Africans. This could be Asians. At the time, Europeans. Um, it could be anybody. It doesn't, it was not, it was basically anybody outside of the Jewish faith that right. didn't grow up, that wasn't part of it. And like you said, there was no blood ties to the 12 tribes, you know, or God's chosen people at that time. You know, this was an invitation to all, um, which was 
one of the more radical things I think people, especially in the Jewish community at that time, thought was extremely radical was the preaching to Gentiles, because there was a lot of uh, animosity towards towards each other, and right. you know it was vice versa. Gentiles had animosity towards the Jewish people. Jewish people had animosity towards Gentiles. And it, it was very interesting because of what Christ was teaching wasn't just to be heard by the Jews right, or just heard by the Gentiles. It was meant to be heard by all. Everybody. Well, when God made the commitment uh, uh, with Abraham, he said, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed, not just because through uh, his line the Messiah would come, mm-hmm. but he... The nation of Israel was intended to be a light to the world instead of, and that was Jesus's parable about you know hiding your light under a bushel. That's exactly what they did, mm-hmm. but they also had, like you said, the, all this animosity. You know, one of the times the scribes and Pharisees uh, were trying to tempt Jesus. You know, he told them he was talking about um, being being children of Abraham, they're like, we are sons of Abraham, you know. And he said, well, if you were sons of Abraham, you would, you know, you were the children of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. Mm-hmm. But you're trying, you're planning to kill me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but this also goes to the 70-week prophecy, mm-hmm. you know, that ended at the stoning of Stephen, where at that moment, at that point, the gospel was to go... I mean, it was first to the house of Judah and then to Samaria and then, to, you know, so that uh, at the stoning of Stephen, that's pr- prophetically when the gospel was to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that was a disagreement that Peter and Paul had in the book of Acts that uh, Peter still wanted to retain it just for the Jews. Yeah. And Paul w- understood that it needed to go to the rest of the world. And that was when Peter was given his dream of the, the animals and the sheep. Yeah, and I kind of want to look at this very next uh, part in here. And this, this is talking about Paul as an imprisoned apostle to the Gentiles. Now, this was interesting. You know, he was trying to preach to the Gentiles, but he was in prison in a Gentile area, which, you know, it, it's it's one of those weird things. It's like being in enemy territory, trying to share the good news with others, but you're in a position that is kind of like constricting. Right. Um, I, I love what it says here. It says, Paul begins a chapter with these words. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. And reading that, it, it, it would throw some people off. You know, prisoner of Jesus Christ. At the time that he was prisoner in a right. Roman prison. Right. Even though he was a Roman citizen also. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Paul's one of the, the few, um, because of where he was born, he had Roman citizenship, but because he was Jewish by blood, he was, I mean, that's how, <laughs> so he had, like, dual citizenship. Yeah. Which uh, really gave him uh, some, it opened a lot of avenues for him that were not open to other people because he was a Roman citizen. You know, he was not as restricted as the Jews were. Yeah. So, and most of the time he kept that to himself. There was a couple times, you know, when he was whipped, you know, like, is it legal to do this with that before we're 
tried and convicted, and the jailer thought he was going to lose his life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so um, most of the time he didn't use that for his benefit, but it did allow him to go to places and preach that other pla- other people would have been restricted. Yeah, and it's interesting because you're, as you're reading this, you know, it, it mentions his suffering and it later mentions of his chains. Now, what I find interesting about this is the, the context of it. You know, he's literally in chains. He is literally suffering because, you know, it says here, even Roman prisons, they weren't very sanitary. They pretty much threw you in a hole and basically forgot about you until they felt like your time was served. And in most cases, it just, it was either you were dead or you were, like, so emaciated that you could not get past anything. That you were going to die anyways. Right. You know, that was the main intent of jail. It wasn't, it was an actual true punishment, but it was like an execution-type punishment. Yeah, well, it wasn't necessarily for uh, rehabilitation. No, no. <laughs> not where we are today here in the United States, <laughs> where we believe in reform. Right. There it was, uh, you're, you're guilty, we'll see you when we get to you. Right. But what was interesting is, you know, the, the tying that in into what we saw with Christ, Christ suffered quite a bit at the end. You know, not only that, but he also, you know, he was bound. And obviously he was put to death, you know, but the suffering and all that he had to go through had a purpose. And we see here with Paul that, you know, what he was going through, there was a purpose to it, you know, because he was able to express a different side, I guess, to the Gentiles saying, look, I have suffered. I have gone through pain. I have seen things you have not seen that you probably will never experience. But I see a salvation at the end. of it. I know my creator. I know what's going to happen. I know where I'm going in my, in my life. And, you know, it, it was a, lo- a lot more powerful when he was talking to Gentiles because he was able to, you know, say, look, I've seen the inside of a Roman prison. I've seen what has gone on. And despite going through all that, there is hope. And I think for a lot of people, especially, you know, the lower class citizens in the Roman Empire, you know, that is powerful. Because it's like, okay, here's somebody who's talking to us who's been through what we've been through and worse and is still preaching hope, still preaching you know, the word of God. Well, that that's exactly why he was in prison. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's still doing it. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's what it, he means by being a prisoner of Jesus Christ. It's not, um, it's, he was jailed for publicly announcing the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. I think for, I think it's kind of, Coming back around, if you look at the way society, especially in America, is going, where they're trying to push Christianity out of out of society as much as possible, and we have it's a small fraction of people, but it's usually the smallest has the loudest voice or screams the loudest, and we're seeing that right now in people really trying to push, you know, belief in God out of mainstream society. They're taking down the Ten Commandments out of courthouses. They're trying to ensure that, like, no clubs or groups that um, have anything to do with Christianity are allowed in school. But instead, they're pushing other agendas, the um, the alphabet agendas, <laughs> I want to call it. You know, and it's 
because it's contradictory to what you know God has said. So I, you've heard me say many times in sermons, and I think I've probably said it in a couple of our lessons here also that when you're on a course of action that you know is wrong and you come to a mirror that shows you where you're wrong, you have a choice. Do you fix the problem or do you break the mirror? And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to break the mirror. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean... Prophetically, we're not going to get into all that, but we know we we know where that where that's going to ultimately lead. We know that they are going to succeed in their agenda, but when it comes to fruition, Jesus is coming, and that that's the blessed hope. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting is you know the suffering that Paul went through, you know. We aren't at that point right now, no. you know, but we can see it, it's coming, you know, down, down the hill We're, it's going to happen. We, it says in gospel, it's going to happen that those that follow Christ are going to be persecuted. It's well, it's just not happening here. Edwin was just telling me about a, a guy in Malta that is in prison because he shared a testimony about act, that he was, he was gay and somebody shared the gospel with him and he renounced that lifestyle and gave his life to Christ. And they said that the, he was pushing agenda. He goes, I was just to sharing my own personal story. I'm not pushing anything, <laughs> but he's, he, but he's in prison and appealing it to a higher court. Yeah. But, uh, so other places in the world, yeah, that people are being, well, we know, we know in the middle East, um, a lot of, <clears throat> sorry, a lot of countries are being that are, of a certain religious belief are going after Christians. They're going after those that have followed Christ. They're, you know, worshiping Christ. We know in Ukraine, they're right now, and some of the same because they're Russian, but Russian Orthodox Christians are being arrested, being jailed because of their beliefs. But they're, you know, it's a whole different story. I don't want to go in Ukraine. Right. But, you know, we're still, <laughs> There is some stuff that's going on, but like right now in the United States, it hasn't gotten to that point yet. Right. But we can see it slowly coming, and we can see oh, that. It's, it's not so slow as it was 20 years, 30 oh, well, years yeah. ago. <laughs> like 20 years ago, it's like, what? What about what? <laughs> Nowadays, it's like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't like sharing my faith. <laughs> well, I'm not, well, I'll go off on a tangent, so yeah. let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> No, but what's what's nice about this? It goes right into this very next part. You know, we're looking at the long hidden mystery of the gospel. Now, <clears throat> this one, you know, it, it took me like one or two times to kind of understand what it's talking about. You know, they're really when you look at the gospel, you read the Bible, you you have that relationship with God. God is going to reveal pretty much anything you want when it comes to the gospel. And you know, there really isn't a mystery around it, so to speak. But what we're seeing here is how Paul claims to be the recipient of something he labels the stewardship of God's grace, given him, given to him for you, for Gentile believers. This stewardship or the ministry of grace 
is Paul's way of describing the commission given to him to preach the gospel, which is God's grace, to the Gentiles. And what it says here, it says, Paul claims that the mystery has been revealed to him, which most people that read gospel who have a, a continuous relationship with God invites the Holy Spirit into their lives, you know, makes that change to be like Christ, you know, mystery is going to be revealed. Right. You know, a topic he has already written about in the letter, you know, especially the mystery of Christ, Paul does not wish to be understood as the inventor of the gospel, but he does lay claim to a God-given ministry to proclaim it. Well, I mean, you're talking about that it was being revealed right in verses four and five right there you know it says that we may understand you know understand my knowledge of the mystery of christ and then in verse five it says that it is is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit like you were just saying that the holy spirit is that's part of the job of the holy spirit is to give us that wisdom and knowledge and understanding i used this this passage uh, a couple sermons ago that was, that was my whole topic about being yeah. uh, what it meant to be stewards of great God's grace. I mean, that that's a high calling. Once you study and you understand what grace is, um, and you have two mysteries spoken about in Scripture. You have the mystery of God and the mystery of iniquity. And God's people understand the the mystery of God and the mystery of iniquity when you look at it and it's like I don't understand how they can't see the condition they're in yeah and the but the from the other side the people are saying the same exact thing you know <laughs> so and they can't understand each other that's why you know God said you know Paul wrote that um, you know the carnal mind is not subject to the spiritual things, neither indeed can be. Yeah. And I'm seeing here, you know, when it's talking about the mystery of Christ, you know, I think it's revealing the character of Christ is what the real mystery at that time was. It's like people may have heard who of Christ, who Christ was, but we have here Paul actually talking about the character of Christ, the nature of the God, nature of Christ, you know, who he is and what he came to do. And he was unveiling, you know, or uncovering what was the mystery. And, you know, as, as you were talking there, you know, for a lot of people, they don't understand. Right. And the calling that Paul felt here is a calling that we all should have, you know, if we are living through grace and we are provided grace by God because we've, you know, we've studied, we've taken the time, we've built that relationship, we are in constant communication, you know, through the Holy Spirit, we are opening ourselves up to his will, that we should all be stewards of this grace. We should all be sharing the nature of God to those that may have seen or may may not understand or know who God is. Well, the nature... The nature of Christ, I mean, this is even a controversial subject within the Adventist church. Um, it's uh, it's kind of actually been put on the taboo list because there's people that have, that they'll accept the divine nature of Christ and have people that say, no, Jesus, uh, by scripture, Jesus had 
took on the fallen nature. If God cannot be tempted, how was Jesus tempted in all points like I am, yet without sin? What was his struggle to overcome if he did not have the same nature that I did? Jesus had that the title that he liked to use to refer to himself, the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. And there's, I'm not going to go into the complete depths of that, but <laughs> the but he took that title as a badge of honor mm-hmm. because taking my fallen nature, being completely susceptible and having a propensity, a leaning towards sin by nature and living the life that God accept, you know, was required and overcame as I am accepted, uh, expected to overcome and showing me how. But then, you know, when he, when he was uh, crucified and then resurrected, he kept that physical body. That's why he told Philip, you know, touch the, touch the holes in my hands, touch the hole in my side. You know, Jesus still has our physical nature and our physical be- body, and he wears it as a badge of honor as we are to when, once we o- fully overcome. So, and that's that's a, a, a mystery of how Jesus can be completely God and still com- and completely man. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I honestly, I love the discussion of you know the nature of Christ, you know who he is. And I think that's one of the, the biggest parts that people forget is, yes, he is God. Absolutely. But he is God in flesh. Right. Which I think is the part that a lot of people forget. All through the Old Testament, God was trying to explain to himself, his people, that he's relatable. You know, and Jeremiah, am I not a God at hand, not afar off? I am, I'm right here. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm the pillar of fire on the pillar of cloud i'm you know the shekinah glory i'm you know all these things that god has always you know build me a sanctuary that i can live in the middle yeah. of you, <laughs> you know? i was about to say that too i was like you know he he has a house that goes with you guys every and well it was even more than just the house it was so they could see and live the plan of salvation every day mm-hmm. Th- that's how much god wanted them to understand what was taking place yeah is he made them live it every day, you know, and their calendar was based around it. Yeah. So, um, and then Jesus, you know, just as John chapter 1, you know, God made flesh. And uh, we, it comes to a point where as created beings, we cannot completely understand yeah. how that happens. But the Bible says it, and is if we have accepted the Bible as our foundation mm-hmm. of truth, we accept by faith that it is true. But when you look at the when you look at the plan of salvation, you start to understand that it can't work any other way. Yeah. Jesus had to be completely God because God's the one on trial. He had to be completely man because of the challenge, and to show us the character of God. And to show us that we can, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, overcome and live as citizens in heaven in this present world. So that there's so much there. And like I said, the deeper you understand 
the plan of salvation, the more you understand that it doesn't work any other way. Yeah. What I think, too, is when we look at this, the mystery part behind this this section is, you know, for a lot of people, it's hard for them to comprehend a God that's willing to put himself in the same position you're in. Right. You know, they look at it and go, well, he's God. You know, he's he's this... this Above and beyond. Yeah. You know, how can he relate to everything I'm going through? Because he came and was able to relate to everything that you I, went through. Right. You know, he woke up, he was hungry. He had to go to the bathroom. I'm pretty sure he went to the bathroom. Right. You know, he he lived, he slept, he worked, he he did all the things that man does every day, even with all the temptation, which is, like you said, is a very hard concept to understand that a God who cannot be tempted coming in the form of man with temptation around him. You know, I, I think what it's, I think there was a phrase that he said when when he was praying in the garden, and the disciples kept falling asleep. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh, flesh is, is weak. weak. You know, he was God, but he was man. Right. And I think it was it was one of those things when you look at it and you try to comprehend it, it's very hard to comprehend, you know. Well, I mean, when you, when you read, like, in the Desire of Ages and, you know, in the Spirit of Prophecy where it talks about when Jesus came to the full understanding of who he was, you know, his divinity was always right there. At, all he had to do was reach out and grab it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as he would have done that, Satan would have screamed foul yeah. because that's not something that everybody else has the ability to do. He had to resist, and, and that's something that, I think we have to take into consideration when we think that, you know, he was tempted in ways that we will never understand. Yeah. You know, that once he understood, I am God, you know, I am the, I am. And when to know when they were arresting him in the garden of angels, that there was hosts of angels just waiting for him to give the command. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, but nevertheless, less not my will, but thine be done. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's incredible. You know, most people, if they had, you know, at that point, if they would have had a way out, oh, they, they would have taken, taken it. it. Oh yeah, you know. So uh, I, I I think. Not only was he tempted in all points like I am yet without sin, but he was attempted above and beyond what I will ever experience. Oh, yeah. Which takes away all of uh, <laughs> <laughs> all of my excuses. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think what, what's beautiful about it, and the way I think Paul describes you know, you know, the whole idea of the gospel, which is pretty much the sharing of good information, you know, great news. Right. You know, the way he, he laid it out and said, look, you know, we're all one. doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, Ethiopian, American. You know, it doesn't matter. How many Jews were in the Garden of Eden? Mm-hmm. <laughs> None. Yeah. How many were on the Ark? None. None. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but it was it was a very interesting concept because even at the time, Jew the Jewish Pharisees looked at everybody else as second class citizens that right. they couldn't share in in God. Right. And but we see as Paul is going out and the work that Christ did wasn't just for the Jews. You know, yeah, right. he he went and shared the good news first with his Jewish brothers and sisters to get them prepared because what he was doing and what he was preaching was very radical, I guess. So they would have it to share with everybody else. Now, as we get even further into this, um, we're looking now at the revealer of God's wisdom. Now, we all can be somebody who reveals God's wisdom when we share it with others, either through testimony or through scripture or through prayer or standing on a pulpit and sharing a sermon. You know, we all have that ability. And here it says, Paul, again, lays claim to being a minister through the gift of God's grace. Again, there's that, that word, God's grace. Right. This gift, like the gospel itself, is not granted because of the worth of the recipient, but through God's grace. Paul underlines this point by describing himself as the very least of all the saints. There in verse 7, it almost spells out grace in a way that most people don't understand it. Everybody just, oh, grace is the undeserved gift. Well, what is it? You know, okay, God gives it, and I don't deserve it. But what is it? <laughs> you know, you know let, let's go ahead and let's read three, uh, chapter 3, 7 through 13, because I think you make a very good point on that. Yeah, right there, I mean, it says, the g- given unto me by the effectual working of his power. I mean, that's... There's grace right there. Uh, that so I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. Where, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery from which, which form or from be, the beginning, the word world, uh, beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. Wow. That is a very... There's a lot there. Yeah. (laughs) It's not just a lot, but it's really powerful. Right. You know, it's... I think a good way of summing up is God's grace is a gift that's given to all that accept it. Right. And that is from greatest of greats down to the lowest of lowest. You know, we all have the ability to achieve God's grace if we seek it. But there is a responsibility tied into that grace. Right. And I think, I think that's the conditions. Yeah. There's, there's a reason for the grace that we have to acknowledge and understand in order for us to fully be able to dwell in that grace. Right. And, in the Old Testament, you know, God said, 
seek me early while I may be found, you know, and mm-hmm. if you and if you seek me, you will find me if you seek with all your heart, you know, so, yeah, there there is uh, responsibilities, just, just like, you know, when we talk about the law, which we've discussed before, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. There's a requirement, you know, Keeping the commandments does not save me, but becoming obedient, submitting my will to the will of God. Uh, a Bible study that I gave not you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, it spelled it out really well. It's like God's giving us his law, not as necessarily a list of do's and don'ts, but if you want to be like me, this is the mold you have to fit, mm-hmm. you know, and it really changes the way you look at things. You know, yeah, I want to be more like, more godly. I want to be not usurping God's power. Yeah. But, you know, I want my character in line with God's character. And he's giving me this set of directions this and this mold and saying, when you fit this mold, we're, you're like me. Mm-hmm. You know, so, it, and... That is grace, not just forgiving my past, but giving me the desire to submit because that yes. is that is contrary to our human nature. To submission is not in our, our nature. But as we submit our will to the will of God, we see that you know He's not doing taking anything away without giving us something much better in return. Oh yeah. And then that power of the innate in you know that enabling grace that impo- the indwelling gives us that continued desire to live according you know and to continually s- submit so it's it's a it's a journey but grace grace is is multifold it's yes. not just uh because just the forgiving grace is what is also termed as cheap grace you know that's why in hebrews you know it, ch- chapter 10 i believe you know, it's, you know, if you sin knowingly, you crucify Christ afresh. Well, if you love Jesus, you're not going to want to do that. It's going to yeah. hurt you when you do it. So you're going to ask for that enabling power to overcome. Yes. Now, I want to point something out in here that's very interesting. Um, is, And this, this is how a lot of us who are building a relationship, who are going the steps, uh, steps of Christ, <laughs> best way to put it. Um, you know, we're, we're going through the same thing that Paul seems to have gone through, through his journey. Right. You know, I, I love how it starts. It says in the beginning of it, you know, Paul, you know, was proud. He was very excited to call himself an apostle. Right. You know, he, you know, his status, he's like, I'm an apostle. I am. You know. That's one who is sent. He's given a direct mission by God. I mean, that should be. No, yeah, <laughs> but what we see here, though, is, and that and that's to be in the beginning of Ephesians. You know, he's very, you know, his stature, his position seems to be leading him more than, you know, than what is intended. But we usually see as we go through Ephesians the change in his character of who he's become because now he's actually walked in this mission. He has done some of the work. He has gone and preached. He has suffered. A little bit too. It's basically humbled him. 
And we see, you know, he starts calling himself, I am the least of the apostles. You know, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. And, you know, Ellen G. White states, you know, the closer you come to Jesus, the more faulty you will appear in your own eyes, for your vision will be clearer and your imperfections will be seen in broad and distinct contrast to his perfect nature. You know, that is something that we all deal with as we're looking at it, because Christ was perfect. Yes. He lived the law perfectly. Us. Not just to the letter. Yeah. You know, because the even the rich young ruler came, all those things I've done since my birth, what am I lacking? He knew that just obeying the letter of the law was not what was saving him. Mm-hmm. So Jesus li- obeyed not just the letter of the law, but the character of yeah. the law. Which is crucial for us. Right. You know, we're, we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect, but we're going. But our goal, our mission, I think, is that we want to be as Christ-like because Christ is the perfect example. I th- I would disagree slightly, only on your definition of the word perfect, okay. because God says, "Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect." And I don't believe that God will ask us to do something that we cannot achieve. We cannot achieve it on our own. But when you simplify that word perfect, like he does in Job chapter 1, when he says, he fears God, he stays away from evil, and he walks upright. Noah was called perfect in his days. What's the first thing he did after the flood? He built a vineyard and got drunk. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he, had, he had flaws. You know, David was called a man after God's own heart. Not because he was sinless, but because his repentance was genuine. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to not put perfection of character beyond our reach because I think in doing that, we're giving more power to Satan than we are to God. When God says, I can make you perfect, I can recreate you, uh, I believe that he has the power to do it now. The, what I am going to agree with is in order to be perfect, we would have, have to always have been perfect. Yeah. I have a past that I, you know, I am not proud of. Um, but what God's promise is, is when you come to me and you accept my forgiving grace, your past no longer exists. And you're starting from here anew. At that point, God can call a person perfect and then my my dad and I think you've heard me use the analogy of the apple uh, from a bud until a fruit ready to harvest at what point is that apple perfect yeah the point is is it's always perfect it's not finished see we need to not we need to not always put (laughs) perfection as a finished product you know my, I am as right with God as I can be for, the, for where I'm at in my life. In God's eyes, I am perfect. I am not finished. I am not ready to harvest yet. But, so, you, you see what, what the, I'm, I, I'm agreeing and, and disagreeing with, with what <laughs> you're, you were saying about, we need to not make perfection unachievable. 
Yeah. Is my my basic point. If God's promised that he can do it, we have to believe that he can do it. Oh, no, I completely agree with that. I think... Uh, and I don't think it's going to be something that is only achieved after the second coming. Yeah. I think that perfection of character is what we are to be working towards and sharing now. Okay, I see where you're going. I, I, think, I think what I was... I think I was kind of leaning towards that. I think yes. the way I said it was right. a little different. And that that's why I said I'm going yeah. to agree and disagree. It was just... The I, w- I would say we're perfectly imperfect at trying to achieve perfection. Or not trying, but... Le- allowing God, the Holy Spirit, as promised, to complete the wor- work that he's yeah. began. In <laughs> you and I are... We're saying the same thing. Just a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of people, as soon as you throw out that word perfect, they look... The connotation at, at the fin at the finished product, yeah. and they're like, and I say it about myself, you know, all the time. I mean, you were here when I first walked through the doors of, of this church, mm-hmm. and uh, by God's grace, I am not who the same person that oh, walked no. through the door. Completely agree with that, but I'm not finished yet. Oh yeah, we're far from it. So, <laughs> and so you know, the more I compare myself to the reflection of Jesus the more and more aware of how undeserving and how far from perfect I am. But then, like, you know, somebody told me, I, w- I mentioned that in a, a prayer meeting that I did a few years ago, and uh, somebody there at the prayer meeting said, yeah, but look, every once in a while, look over your shoulder and see how far you've come. So as long as you're in that process and you're going in the right direction, uh, I w- it's in the book Steps to Christ. I would have to find it. But Ellen White writes that we're not judged by the occasional deed or misdeed, but by the mm-hmm. our, the you know the direction. So, um, but we need to not take that for granted either. Yeah. You know, we need to continue to grow. When we stop growing, we're in trouble. Yes. So... But as long as you're on that from the bud to the fruit ready to harvest, if you're anywhere on that line, in God's eyes, you're perfect. So, And I think that's that's an abusal, a beautiful thing because I would not consider myself perfect, yet God will. You know, and it's funny we're talking about this because it goes right into the very next section, which is dwell Christ dwelling in your heart. heart. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to read this one one. Tiny, tiny paragraph in here because I think it really throws what the discussion we're just having Mm -hmm. into a good context. Okay. And it says, ponder this thought. (laughs) Your family, despite its imperfections and failings, belongs to God. Your family is not in the cruel grip of fate, but in God's caring hands. And God loves imperfect families. They bear the divine name. They carry the mark of his ownership. Well, the, that's cool. that's really cool because, um, you know, in Revelation, you know, through every letter to the, every church, you know, is to him that overcomes. There's a, a there's a promise. You know, for. Er- and to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, 
you know, until the church of Laodicea, to him that overcomes, I will allow him to slip with me in my throne, even as I overcame and am set with the Father in his throne. Mm-hmm. And I use, you know, you and I have both served in the military, and I use that as a, you know, kind of a comparison because, you know, regardless of where you go in the country, if you come across another veteran, you have something to relate oh, yeah. with them to. Connection. Right. So, and Jesus has given us that same connection. You know, you're going to have an experience that you can't have if you weren't imperfect to begin with. You know, you had to accept and be empowered and overcome. Mm-hmm. And now that is something that we have in common. You and I overcame. So uh, it's, he's giving us medals, you know, you know, for the lack of, you know, you're getting accommodations, yeah, <laughs> you know, because you've walked the same, walked in the same trenches that he walked. Yeah. And I love this next part it says, Paul asks God to grant believers an abundant spiritual experience marked by inner strength through the spirit's presence Intimacy with Christ, who is also portrayed as dwelling within, and a settled, secure spiritual identity, which is rooted and grounded in love. That experience is what it's saying. You right. have the experience of Christ in your life. Right. And just as you said, you know, a veteran can recognize another veteran and have a connection already established, and they may not even know each other's names. Right. It's like, hey, I'm a, I was served in this time. Oh, okay. Hey, I'm a member of the American Legion. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be a wartime veteran to be a member. Anywhere I go in the country, I can walk into any American Legion post, and they're going to accept me as if I was, you know, had been there mm-hmm. for years and years. And um, it, that's that's the same thing that Jesus is offering us here. You know, we're going to have this. That you know, that's why Jesus said that I am not ashamed to call you brother. Mm-hmm. Now, if Jesus is not ashamed to call me a brother, knowing where I've come from and what I've done, why would I be ashamed to proclaim him in his perfection if he's not ashamed to accept me in my imperfection? Yeah. yeah it's It, it kind of ties up to everything we've been talking about so right. far. You know, there's... There are different layers to all this, but the end goal is Christ. It's that relationship you have. It's that that trust, that building that you're going upon. You know, it's and the thing is, it's like it's something that's recognizable. Like somebody who's not a believer will see it. You may not necessarily see it yourself because you know it's part of your day to day life. But what we we see in a lot of places, you know, somebody can recognize a veteran pretty quickly. Yeah, that guy's a vet. I know it. You know, we want the same thing as Christians. You know, if we're walking in society, we want, you know, there's going to be people who are going to call it out and say, that man has a relationship with God. I can see it just the way he walks, the way he, he acts, his actions, his, his, uh, the way he holds himself up. We can see that there's a difference. Right. And they can look at somebody else and go, well, I know they're searching or seeking because you can see that they're lost. And that's, I think, something that's very interesting that, you know, we see Paul doing a lot in, in his time of, of ministering is he has that ability to see those that are lost 
And he tells them, I know a way for you to be found. Right. You know, I've experienced it because I've been lost. You know, I felt alone. I felt despair. I felt this, you know, I've been imprisoned both physically and, and spiritually. Spiritually. <laughs> he goes, but he has that relatability, which I think what we're seeing here, and that's one thing that's that's amazing about Christ, and it was something me and my wife were talking about last night. Um, I like watching that show, The Chosen. Mm-hmm. I think it's beautifully written. There are some leeway in there because, you know, you're trying to make a show, you know, that talks about the life of Christ, and they do throw a, a lot of scripture in there. They throw a lot of stuff that happened in the Bible. But the one thing that I've noticed, and this is something I've seen in so many movies when they talk about Christ or they show Christ, it's when somebody looks upon Christ and they look at his eyes, it's like they stop, like they freeze. And it's, I don't know if it's intentional, like in every movie, like from their last temptation to Christ to to all the way to the chosen, but it seems like there's just somebody who's portraying Christ. There's like this, this connection that they establish, and it's probably, you know, written in there, but I feel like that's true when somebody who has a relationship with Christ, when they look upon you, they, they stop. You know, they kind of just stare. Like, there's, they see so much more behind those eyes, that there's so much more beauty, more power, more grace, more love than they may have never experienced in their entire lives. Right. It's just like a weird, deeper connection. And I, and I think, you know, it's something as Christians that, you know, we, tr- we want to portray outwardly. We want people to say, hey, that, that person, you know, has a, has a connection to Christ. I want that same thing. Right. You know, it's part of our ministry that, you know, we're supposed to go out to the world and share the good news, to share the message of hope, the message of salvation. And I'm probably talking in circles. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, how many times have you heard me say, you know, the, pro- the, the sermon we live speaks volumes louder than any sermon we preach. Yeah. You know, and then uh, getting back to, you know, the way God sees us. You know, you were talking about, you know, it's just the way I live. It's not something that I see in myself. But in Revelation, we're promised that when that God's going to have a name that he gives us, and that's the characteristic that he uses. It's just known between us and God. And he's going to like, hey, I recognize you. You look just like my son, you know. And he, I have a, a name for you. And that's special. And that's what we're we're achieving or we're we're seeking to achieve. Yes. Yeah, and I, I'm like this whole chapter, this whole lesson this week. You know, it's the relatability that you get from the message that Paul is sharing with. You know, it's it's a, a message of love, really. You know, that God has love, not just for the Jews, but he has love for the entire world. Right. And him going and sharing that message, even under persecution, and still sharing that message, really speaks volumes of what that message is and what it means. Well, when, when, a, when somebody messes up in society and ends up in jail or prison. You know, I can speak from my own personal experience. 
does my father still love me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Does he approve of the life I'm living and the mistakes that I made that planted me in the situation that I'm in? Absolutely not. But he still loves me. Mm-hmm. And God and God is beyond even that. Yeah. You know, regard, you know, he, he doesn't dis you know, disown us because of the situation we're in. He still loves us and he's giving us a way out. Yes. I think that's that's something we got to all remember is that forgiveness isn't something that has to be earned. It's something that you ask for. And we all know that. And it's given freely. Given freely. You know, just as much as the grace that God gives everybody, it's freely given. But he wants you to do something good with it. Right. You know, he wants you to to share it, to right. to help others experience it. Because a lot of people, you know, may they'll have the grace given upon them, but they may not recognize it. They may not know what that is. They may not know how to use it or where it's coming from. But that's where we step and say, you know, you have that because your father gives it freely to you. Right. Because he loves you that much, he wants you to experience the goodness that he has for you, the love he has for you. And it's it's something that I think as Christians that we need to remember because we do have a there are certain factions that say they're living that but they're not they're doing something completely different and you know us as Christians as Adventists we know what our mission is it's to share that love that knowledge that that wisdom, that grace, that power, that that connection that anybody, doesn't matter where they're from, can have, have with God. Right. Absolutely. That is our that's our primary goal to Absolutely. share that. Right. But with that I think uh this has been a very, very good lesson. I I'm pretty sure we can deep dive way into this. Yeah, it's we could hours. we could talk about this all week. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But uh, we want to say thank you, everybody, for listening in. And if you have any questions or anything like that, definitely feel free to reach out to us. Um, we are willing to have discussions, have Bible studies, to have, you know, to build relationships with you and our listeners. And Absolutely. We, we want to thank you for your time. And with that, uh, I'll go ahead and say a closing prayer. Absolutely. If you bow your heads, please. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to share in the message that Paul was sharing with the Gentiles that, Everyone is loved and is given the same grace as as his own people. And Lord, we thank you for sharing that grace with us, sharing the wisdom that you have through Scripture, and sharing the message that even as sinners that we have salvation and hope at the end. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the many blessings you have given us in our lives. And we ask that you be with us as our listeners go through this week's study and that you take your Holy Spirit and put it into their hearts and minds that the words that they are reading and the experiences they are having are genuinely about you. Lord, we thank you and we ask that you be with us as we go through this week. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website, threeangelssda.org slash podcast. That's the number three, angelssda.org slash podcast, and use the comments section. There, you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Just search for ABQ Three Angels Podcast. Mm-hmm.